Nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. Nolwandi Mtombini joins me now on the line to take a look at uh, the latest in the world of money and power. Nolwandi, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, I am Mungunjani. Mkwana, Siswa Mungunjani. Nolwandi, let's start off there with Daniel. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy day, uh, I would imagine, uh, trying to uh, make sense of this and fielding questions. What do you make of what has happened here? And uh, I guess the explanation that this was a difference in thinking around the strategic future of the business and I guess the cultural fit that Mr. Minele was uh, in the business. Uh, what do you make of that? So I suppose I saw this sort of coming because, you know, if you, you know, when there was an interim CEO, Renee was in there standing in, I remember he was asked, you know, so what's the new CEO going to do? Is he going to change his strategy? And he, at the time, said, no, we're not bringing in anyone. I mean, they hadn't said Daniel was coming at the time, and he said, no, we're not going to bring anyone who's going to change the strategy. Obviously, they can have input, but, you know, we've worked hard on the strategy, and they're not going to change it, you know, just going to oversee it. So, you know, from that on, time on, you know, sort of like a red flag in my mind that, okay, so you bring someone in, mm. you set out the strategy, so they are going to come and do what? <laughs> you know, shake hands and 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 do you know we missed the call? What is this? So, and fair, you know, funny enough, now here we are, and we're having a clash of a strategy of you know of all things. It was the strategy thing. So you can see that this is. It sounds like you know they parachuted in the CEO, and you know they. CEO wanted to do what CEOs do, which is have input and strategy mm. and what is going on in the business. And, you know, it, things came to blows. So so for me, that that's what's, I guess, quite interesting, because it does seem that the strategic template had already been painted for him uh, and even, you know, precedes even Rene van Veik's time, because, you know, a big part of... Uh, I guess Maria Ramos's exit from APSA had a lot to do with that separation from Barclays and I guess some of their continental ambitions. From where are you sitting, and I don't want us to play too much in the realm of speculation, but uh, it does seem that um, you know there, there might have been, I guess, differences in approach uh, in relation to that continental strategy, which um, I must say, I mean, if you think about APSA's showing on the continent in relation to, say, a standard uh, a bank in its many iterations on the continent and even FNB in some markets, uh, probably not um, hitting as much as many would have expected when they refreshed their brand around 2018. On the contrary, the continental strategy has been doing really well. Mm. They've done a phenomenal job there. So, 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 um, but what, what, what would the issue be then? So, it, uh, you know, if we're going to speculate, it, it wouldn't be on the side of the continental strategy. I think, you know, it, they could have been, you know, as far as local SA um, dynamics with maybe more likely than um, the continental strategy because that one has been, you know, going very well and become fruitful. And the problem is this, is that, you know, when it comes to Daniel's experience, um, he may have experience in commercial banking, South African banking, but when it comes to, you know, the ex-Africa strategy, I don't think he would have had um, that much weight in terms of being able to change that strategy. Mm. So I would be surprised for him to come in and of all things, go and challenge the strategy on things that he doesn't have any record of, have any experience in that. So then Wambelein? No, no, I'm just saying, I'm saying in relation to the messaging coming out of APSA, 
which is that this is a strategic issue and we can get to the cultural mm. fit story because even that mm. is often, you know, very nice English to couch the fact that we were yeah. just, you know, uh, we're just tired of you or we didn't want to work with you anymore or you weren't a yes man or, or whatever. But, I mean, how do we make sense of that uh, when it so, becomes quite clear that even when they selected him, there wasn't an expectation mm. on his part to pioneer or steer any strategic, you know, pursuit? Yeah. So, I mean, within the strategy of EPSA, obviously there would have been multiple strategies for the business because of different operations. If you look at the first announcement, I mean, even within, within terms of, you know, articles that are out, there were differences with his executive team. Mm. So, you know, so there's the, there, there have been reports on that. So we know from uh, the team that he's working with, there's probably, you know, characters that had their strategy that they've sold the board sure. and they were happy with that. And that him coming through to now put his input probably would have caused some friction. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we Lin- weren't there, so we we don't know. We 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 may not ever know. I learned about Super and I. But but uh, you know, Nolwandle. I guess you know a lot of people on social media, and uh, you know, one of our uh, listeners they chant out, uh, you know, linking this to. Uh, the many exits and exoduses that we've seen by black uh, leaders in financial services firms. I mean, Marshall's the Moyo case. Uh, and I think a lot of people have also been talking about this in the context of what happened to Basani Maruleke at African Bank. Um, what do you make of those suggestions that, you know, there's a seeming pattern developing here, um, especially in many of these, you know, traditional banks um, uh, in relation to some of the black professional talent and uh, its decision to exit stage left? Yeah, and this is something I was just saying, you know, if, if you know earlier, is that it's so sad where we're seeing sort of a revolving role, I mean, door for black executives, especially in the banking C-suite space, um, because you know this is where we need the financial sector, especially needs a whole lot of transformation. Um, you know, of course, it'd be far-reaching to think that there's sort of conspiracy theories, but I think that not enough is done to support the people who we put in these roles. We need. They really need to because if I look at the, the example of, of both, you know, in African Bank and in EPSA, there's strategic op- problems. So people came in, and one side expects one thing, and the other side expects the other. And you know, we could, could have easily had these discussions beforehand to say, mm. okay, before the table, this is how we're thinking. You know, this is what we'd be comfortable with. I think you need to support, provide more support to people, and even if you know there's clashes. I think more could be done to see them winning in the mm. end because what's going to happen is that, you know, it looks, looks bad for Daniel, but we don't know, we don't even know who's on the board of Absol, so we don't even care. I mean, they'll all look rosy at the end of this. Mm. It's Daniel that takes the, takes the bad hit on this and looks bad. Yeah, but you also know? you don't want that kind of churn at that level. I mean, Nolanja, you know, at, in a very competitive sector like the banking sector, undergoing structural change, uh, you know, it's become a sector now that effectively can, you know, um, make considerable amount of profits uh, without, you know, warm bodies sitting in, you know, uh, uh, telling boots and all manner of other things. Uh, and that speaks volumes. I mean, we saw in the QLFS data, massive job losses in, 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 in that particular sector, largely linked to the structural change. And uh, probably in the eye of that particular change, you're not looking to be you know, uh, uh, changing whoever's steering that ship as frequently as what we've seen here at uh, APSA. But let's take a look at Celsi. I mean, I find these guys quite interesting. Uh, you know, they're dealing with a major 
debt burden, uh, but also this happening in a context where uh, they've effectively shifted their network strategy somewhat and uh, uh, looking to piggyback a lot more on their partners MTN uh, and effectively become a fully fledged MVNO. Uh, what do you make of their showing and uh, the average revenue per user uh, that's come through here and some of the growth on that? I think obviously shifting to MVNO is very good from a you know capital light model because ultimately being a telco and having that infrastructure requires requires a lot of capital investment which they cannot afford. So I think it's a good direction to move in. As far as the ARPU, which is your average um, revenue per prepaid user, um, obviously the number went up, but it's you know if you look you know under the hood, it's not as not as that rosy as it seems, because during that period, they also lost 15% of the customer base. So just from losing that customer base, it artificially inflates that IARPU. So I think because of COVID, the trend has been for higher revenues. But, you know, the base is very high. And was this one good print? Is it, you know, does it once hot and sunny day make it a season? Mm. I think I'm not convinced yet. I need to see a few more prints like this sure, and sure. a stabilization of those client losses. Let's shift our attention to uh, the mining sector, uh, Nolwanje. Uh, we saw record numbers coming through on the mineral sales side of things, largely in response, I guess, to price and uh, also easing. Uh, restrictions around COVID-19 that have allowed many of these uh, uh, mining companies uh, to produce in response uh, to this favorable price environment, uh, knocking the lights out. Uh, and it's also, I guess, something that is not unique to South Africa. Zimbabwe also coming out with, uh, you know, a same, I guess, a favorable outlook for the mining sector, uh, which uh, is said to have an impact on the fortunes of both countries. Yes, um, feels like deja vu, you know, um, keep having these wonderful numbers out of the mining sector. Um, and again, obviously, it's very, you know, it's been a great couple of, of months going to maybe years now where the prices are just favorable and they've held up quite well. Um, and what is great is that we've reached record, you know, revenues, but we have not reached record output. So, you know, we had the mining mm. manufacturing numbers out recently. We reported just a marginal increase. Um, but, you know, we really don't have the capacity to take the fullest advantage of of, of the prices of where they are. But again, I mean, we will we'll take whatever we can get. And the prices are holding strong and they're favorable, obviously, to, um, you know, the, the fiscus. And it's mm. a good thing. And I think, you know, it's supportive and it's just a wave that you have to ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let's go to Zimbabwe. I mean, uh, some interesting remarks coming through from the uh, finance minister, them, Tuli Ngube, who uh, interestingly used to be, a, I guess, uh, a faculty dean in the commerce division at WITS. Um, very interesting character. And uh, he, he came out um, and on the back of the vaccination program, and uh, I must say I'm green with envy sitting on the other side of the Limpopo, uh, that the vaccination program is being rolled out in Zimbabwe. But of course, the other dynamic is better than expected rains, good agricultural harvest, good commodity prices, and they also seeing their tourism picking up somewhat. Is this the start, albeit slow, of uh, recovery mode for the Zimbabwean economy? Sure. Um, look, I think... What a deep sigh, Nolwan. It's fine. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> It's, it's, Zimbabwe is always going to be a tough one, right? Mm. So I think I think every economy got hit so hard last year that 
you know, it would be really, really, things have to be really, really bad to not have a recovery this year. Sure, sure. You know, from anything, think, like from, from the lowest of lowest bases, yeah. Exactly. And that's <laughs> sure. the thing. And that's where, you know, Zimbabwe is coming from. So they will have a rebound. Um, does the, is it a rebound because now things are different or is it because we were COVID hit and the natural rebound will happen? Uh, I think it's more likely the latter. Huh. Um, this, the second thing is also they have a growth estimate of 7.4% for this current year. And IMF has a growth estimate of 3.1. So, I mean, I could be corrected, but it's very few times that IMF has an estimate for growth for a country. And they are so wrong that it's, 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 the growth turns up to be more than double what their estimates but are. But who is right at this point? I mean, I think any person who thinks they, uh, I think modeling, economic modeling is a perfect science. Uh, I mean, even our treasury here in South Africa has been off on these uh, estimates for a long by time. Double. I mean, by double. Yeah, well, double. okay, not by double, okay. <laughs> exactly, okay. and that's the point I'm making, <laughs> is that, you know, we've never had where it was, you know, they always be revised, but the revised are a few you know, percentage points, I mean, and, you mm. know, basis points. It's never been like from three to, 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 to six or something. Yeah. You know, it's, that's not how it's happened. So to come up with 7.4, um, great. I mean, you know, modeling is, you know, maybe there's insight, but... You know, there has to be something going wrong or a lot going right to get to those estimates, given that, you know, you know, many people are also sitting there doing the work and looking at the same variables and kind of come up with estimates. Mm, mm. And especially with the currency that keeps disappointing. Um, although they say that, you know, the, 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 you know, the market, the rate is currently stabilized. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of skepticism being met with the 7.4 estimates for this year. Yeah, it's certainly one we're going to be following quite closely in Rwanda, but uh, the Zimbabwean story is always, I guess, a fascinating case study um, in all manner of, uh, you know, economic policy, and uh, it's certainly going to be that in uh, the coming future as well. Nolwandle Mtombeni, let's leave it there. It was always a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Nolwandle Mtombeni is a market analyst speaking, us, uh, speaking to us there for our wrap of the top business stories. In the next few minutes or so, we catch up uh, with the spokesperson at Randwater and uh, they want to respond to some of what uh, the South African Municipal Workers Union said to us yesterday, but also speak uh, to some of their customers and uh, we'll certainly hear them out in terms of what it is they want to say.